be praised. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God. Praise God. Amen. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Amen. God is so good. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And those of you out there in radio land, <laughs> under the sound of our voice today, we invite you to Calvary Apostolic Church. Amen. We want to get right into our study again this morning. Amen. So hopefully you have been enjoying this. Amen. And uh, and it's, it's getting better and better. Somebody says it's sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. And, and you know, when you're studying the Word of God and John's Gospel and all the epistles, the thing you, you hear me say this over and over again is you're always looking for that application. How does it apply? When you're reading the Word of God, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, you're looking for application. What lesson does God want me to learn? Because, see, when you look at the epistles, you've got to realize this now. The epistle is not written to people that are not saved. The epistles are written to churches and individuals that are already saved. They've already, like you and me, have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Those letters is to teach them how to stay saved, should I say, and stay on the right course and on the right track. See, it is to help us to get to where we're headed. It's kind of like, you know, you're, you're traveling and you're going someplace and you've never gone there before. You begin to gather the information that you're going to need to get you to where you need to get to. So John's gospel, and he's beginning, as I will say, he gives us four reasons for writing it. And it's the same concept when you read the others. You see the same four reasons to one, to that our joy, he wants to add to our joy. As a child of God, we know there's going to be things you're going to go through in life. We've already seen this from Jesus' teachings in the Gospels. He already told us there's going to be pandemics. He's already told us there's going to be rejections. He's already told us there's going to be all kinds of things that's coming to prepare us. Amen. So we know this, but they want our joy. They want us to stay focused and you've got to learn how to stay focused as you walk with God. There's going to be all kinds of things that is going to come around you and happen around us in this world because the world is corrupt. It is it belongs to Satan, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. It's turned upside down. It's off course. And so if you focus on your surroundings, you're going to be distracted. That's why Jesus said, The thief comes not but for the steal, to kill, and to destroy. So you've got to stay focused. This is why Paul says in Colossians 3, if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So that when Jesus come back for you, you're ready. You've got to stay focused. That's why you've got to have devotion. That's why they want you to keep joy in your heart. That's why they want you to walk by faith and not by sight because if you don't have faith you're not going to have joy if you don't have joy you're not going to have faith if you don't have faith you're not going to trust god so they're trying to keep you focused 
amen, on where you're going so you're not distracted by the enemy of your soul. This is why Paul told the church in Corinthians, he says, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguile Eve through his subtlety so your mind will be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Amen. You remember, you died to the world. You're not even supposed to be worrying about what's going on out there. Amen. From a standpoint of trying to let it attach itself to you. You're supposed to be the child of God. You're supposed to be motivated to try to, as Jude said, on some have compassion, make a difference. Other pulling them out of the fire. The only thing that's going to change this world is the gospel. That's why you and I have been called out of darkness. Why? To his marvelous light so that we can show forth the praises of him who's called us out. Amen. We are now the anointed ones. We are the ones that have the truth of the message that they need. Amen. So John has said he wants to increase our gospel, I mean our joy. He wants us to avoid sin. Sin is going to be rampant in these last days. We already know that. See, and if sin can attach itself to you, as we were saying last week, temptation is not a sin. It's when you give in to temptation that makes it a sin. Amen. So you have to learn how to deal with these kind of things uh, that's coming into your life so that you are able to overcome them by the blood and the word of your testimony. Your testimony of what Jesus has done for you should be prevalent. Amen. You should be able to tell it more than anybody else. You remember those songs? You can't tell it like I tell it what the Lord's done for me. You ought to have been there when he saved my soul. You ought to have been there when he broke my name on the heavenly roll and I start walking and talking and shouting and dancing and jumping and leaping and speaking in other tongues. Amen. You sh- Nobody should be able to tell your testimony like you do. Amen. Nobody should be able to testify about Jesus like the people of God. Amen. Because we should know what he's done for us. Amen. And to help us and given us the pattern how to avoid sin. He's already given it to us. So John said this is why he's writing our, his gospel. The other reason John says he's writing his gospel to us is to help us to avoid false teachers. Amen. We need to have the Holy Ghost running over inside of us. And you remember John says if the Spirit is in us, then it will lead us and guide us to all truth. And really, you don't need anyone to teach you because the Spirit is supposed to teach you. Jesus is your teacher. Amen. You want to call him rabbi? That means teacher. Amen. So he wants to guard us against false teachers. And so therefore, you've got to study, Paul says, to show yourself approved unto God, workmen that need to not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then the fourth reason he says he wrote this is to what? Enhance and strengthen our faith. Amen. So that we know that we have eternal life. What a promise. Amen. And so if, if it's for the end, the end state, the fourth reason is probably the better of all three. All four, rather. The end state, your faith, strong in the faith, and you're going to heaven. Amen. So now we jump down to the fifth chapter. Amen. Now, the first John chapter five, verse one, John says, whosoever believe that Jesus is the Christ is, is born of God and everyone that loveth him that begat it loveth him also that is begotten 
of him. Now notice here. Amen. He says, whosoever believed. Notice, he takes us back now. This fifth chapter, he's going to rewind it all up together. Through this fifth chapter, he's going to show you the value of faith. He's going to show you the importance of love. He's going to show you the oneness of God. He's going to bring it all together of everything he's already told us. Amen. So whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Amen. Because, see, faith brings us to a knowledge of an understanding of Jesus Christ. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So if we already believed in Jesus, then Jonah says you've already been born of God because the fact of the matter is you've already been baptized. You've already received the Holy Ghost. You become a believer in Christ. Just believing only does not save you. I don't know where people get that from. I know what the Scripture says. Yes. Yes, but notice if you read in Romans 10, Paul is saying to the, that he had they, the Jews have a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Amen. So once you believe in Jesus, what's the next step? Whoever is leading you to Christ, they're supposed to take you through the whole process. See, look at Acts chapter number 8. Let's go to Acts chapter 8 real quick. Let's jump down to verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charges of all their treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in the chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandeth what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb dumb before her shearer, so opened he not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom, <coughs> excuse me, speak it, the prophet this of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip says, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the church to stand still. They went down both in the water, and Philip baptized uh, the eunuch, and he was baptized. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. Amen. Not, and he went on his way rejoicing. Notice, he believed. He was reading. He was studying. But he needed an explanation. 
So when Philip explained to him who he's talking about, what did he say? Hey, here's water. So apparently somewhere in the conversation, the new birth experience came up. That he need to be born again of the water and the spirit. That's why when you're teaching someone, amen, you need to take them all the way through. Just don't stand and tell somebody, all you got to do is believe in Jesus Christ and you're saved. It's not true. That's just the initial step. Jesus says in Mark sixteen fifteen, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So once we believe in Jesus, we need to go the whole process of the new birth experience. See, some people just jump to Romans 10 real quick. Amen. And this is all they tell people they need to do. Go to Romans 10. I notice Moses, I mean, uh, Paul is writing here to the church at Rome. And verse 12. I mean, chapter 12, excuse me. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I mean, excuse me, go back to 10. I'm on the wrong chapter. My mistake. Chapter 10. Brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. And this is what we see in a lot of churches today. They're trying to establish their own way and not do it the way God said to do it. You can dream up all kinds of plans. You can tell me to shake my hand and I'm saved. You can tell me to sign a card. That's not true. Just the people have got a zeal. There's a lot of them out there who's got a zeal for the things of God, but not according to knowledge. Paul says in Romans, I mean, First Corinthians fifteen thirty four. Some have not the knowledge of Christ, and I speak that to your shame. See, if we have the truth, then we should share the truth. We don't dream up some new doctrines and new kinds of plans of salvation. Paul says, I, and to the church at Colossus, he says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we're complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. Amen. So Paul is saying they have a zeal. They're trying to come up with their own righteousness, but they're ignorant of the righteousness of God. Now notice, he goes on here and says in the fourth verse, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses described the righteousness which of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speak on this wise, saying, Not in thine heart, who shall ascend unto heaven, that is, to bring Christ down again, or who shall ascend into the deep, 
that is to bring up Christ from the dead again. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth, with the heart, excuse me, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, just like the unit. Notice, the unit says, I believe that Jesus is God. And what's the next point they do? They stopped the chariot, they went into the water, and he got baptized. Amen. Your faith leads you through, faith to faith. Faith is going to bring you into more faith. It's going to bring you to more understanding of Jesus Christ so that you do the right things and you follow the right principles and you live the right way. That's what faith is designed to do. Faith to faith. Here. So notice he goes on. Amen. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For the Scripture hath said, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call upon him and whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who have believed our report. So then faith comes by hearing, and it comes by hearing the word of God. See, notice what he said. How shall they believe in whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without what? A preacher. God forbid to be a preacher and teach wrong. Hello? You have to teach the truth. You've got to follow the pattern. See, said he, you make all things according to the pattern showed you in the mount. Amen. We have to realize what God desires of us and what he's trying to show us. He's trying to protect us. Once we believe, we go all the way. Amen. To the end. Cornelius would have been what? He was a believer. Was he not? He gave alms. Amen. As a matter of fact, he gave so much to the people that he had built a memorial. But what did the Lord tell him? Send for Peter, and he'll tell you what you ought to do. Amen. And as a result, when Peter came, he began to preach Jesus Christ to him. And the Bible says in Acts chapter uh, 10, at the end, that while Peter yet speak the words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard. Amen. 
that came with Peter was confounded because they heard them speak with tongues. Then Peter commanded, any man forbid water that these should not be baptized as well as we. Amen. And then when you look in the 11th chapter, and you can study this on your own time, when Peter is brought before the council and having to explain why he went to Cornelius' house, a Jew going to the Gentiles, he began to explain to them that God sent me there. And then he says, and as I was preaching and they received the Holy Ghost and realized that they had received the same uh, gift as we had received from the beginning. So John is trying, they're trying to get us to see here the importance that belief in God leads you to more, the search for more of God, to know more of God, to want to go all the way, because it's your faith that's going to get you to the other side. That's why John is trying to get us to see here, look, he that believeth, amen, is overcomer. You are an overcomer in Christ. If you have been born again of the water and the Spirit, you've overcome sin. So therefore, you shouldn't be living in sin. You should not be acting like you're a sinner. You're supposed to be acting like you're saved. You're supposed to be living like you're saved. You're supposed to be living like the old man is gone. You're not supposed to still be living like you're a devil. You're not even supposed to be living like, you know, all the stuff you did before all the drinking, all the party, and all the foolish acts, and, and saying things that's not true, and gossiping, and lying, and doing all these things. You're a new creature in Christ. Your joy is supposed to be full. You're supposed to walk away from sin. Matter of fact, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he says, flee. In other words, run. Get out of there. Don't hang around that stuff. Amen. That's not you anymore. That's your old life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Amen. We're not trying to work our own righteousness. We are living the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is by faith, because God is righteous. So when we're trusting the Lord, when we're living in the Lord, we're going to do what His Word says. Uh, that's why James tell us, don't be just a hearer of God's Word. Learn to be a doer. That's what's promoting righteousness, because God is the Word, and if we do what the Word says, you're going to be righteous, because God is righteous. Hello. So John is trying to help us here understand. He wants our faith, man, to, to be strengthened and strong. You've got to have strong faith in this world. You've got to have some strong faith, because, like I said, things are going to come. Yeah, you're gonna get some of the you're gonna get the wind knocked out of you. People are gonna say things gonna rock your cradle. They're gonna treat you all kinds of rude and evil. And, you know, so you need to be aware of these things. But you've got to stand true to the word of God, because greater is He that's in you. And he that is in the world, we're not of them, Paul says, that draw back to perdition. We're them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen. I, I, I'm, I'm holding on to my eternal life. That's why at the end of the book of Revelation, what did Jesus say? See that no man steal your crown. 
You've got to endure to the end to be saved. How many times are you going to read that in the book? You know, you've got to go all the way. You've got to cross the finish line to be counted a winner. You know, and, and I read one story. It says, not only do you have to cross the line, but you've got to cross it with the torch burning. Because I guess that's what they say back in those days when Paul was relating those stories, you know, to let him run. Yeah, the athletes in the, in, the, in the Olympics back in those days, they gave him a torch and it had to be lit. And when they crossed the line, it had to still be lit. So is yours lit? Come on. That's why they want your joy to be full, because you're to keep your light burning. That's why Jesus said, you don't put a candle on a, under a bushel. You let it light, shine so it give light to everybody in the house. Amen. Verse 2 of 1 John 5. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandment. Man, this John, you know, you know, I think John writes so much about love is because guess what his name is? John the Beloved. <laughs> he's, he's the one that was always leaning on Jesus' bosom. He was always so close to Jesus. I mean, he, he loved Jesus. And we should have that same attitude. He's given us an example. You know, if, if, if you lay on Jesus' bosom, guess what? You're going to hear something coming through. I mean, you know, if that more husband and wife cling to each other, guess what? You're going to love each other more. You know, you got to get back to the old days of courting. See, the cars now exist to court, and they they got all that division stuff in it, you know. But back in the days when I was young, like you and Brother Matt, you know, they, they didn't, they, 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 what was it, one buckets, the Bench seats. So that means, I mean, he's driving and he just throws his arm around because you're so close to him. That's the way it should be. You know, that's the way life, when you get married, that's the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to love one another that way. Get tight. You know, it's right. (laughs) You know, you get close because what's going to happen is it strengthens your love for one for another. And it's the same way in the church. The more we spend time with Jesus, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we hold to Jesus, the stronger our love is going to be for him. And that's what's going to come out of us. They took notice of the disciples that they had been with Jesus. Amen. Every time you are in this presence, every time you go out, somebody should take notice that you've been with Jesus. Amen. So, for this is the love. See, love is that test. One of those tests of sonship is a test of fellowship. See, if you're having fellowship with him, if you're having fellowship with another, it's the test here. We, but we, this we know that we love the children of God. You remember what the children of God now? You remember he told us how we can determine the children of God, right? You remember 1 John 3.10 in the third chapter? He told us, and this is manifested children of God. Amen. He says, if you don't love your brother and you don't do right, you're not of God. See? 
So that's why Paul is saying here in Romans 10, you, Jesus is the end of righteousness to the law to them that believe in faith. See? So our righteousness should cause, prevail us to love one another. See? Love and faith. That's why the end of that whole fourth chapter, he talks about love. And he sprinkles it throughout the other portions of the chapters to try to get us to understand, to keep us there because he knows God is love. See, how much do you love it? Our agape love should be radiant. Amen. Praise God. Verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. They're not hard. They're not burdensome. His his commandments, amen, they're easy. Do you love God? Then love your brother. What's hard about that? Is Is there anything hard in that? Jesus says, notice here in Matthew 22. Watch this. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. You there? Give you a moment to get there. Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. And with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hangs all the law and the prophets. Think about it. Love God, love your neighbor. Man, you cover the whole thing. Wow. Now watch this. Matthew seven twelve. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law and the prophet. Notice. Did he change something? Did he change something? Notice, you got two passages of Scripture that ends in the same sentence. But this is the law and the prophets. To do unto others as you would have them to do unto you, and to love God, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So when you treat people the way that you want to be treated, you're going to fulfill the law and the prophets. That's why if I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, then I should love my neighbor as myself. What am I doing? I'm doing unto others as I want them to do unto me. See, we have to learn how to treat people and to live according to God's word here. Amen. But this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And they're not grievous. They're not hard. They're not burdens. 
If you were to look at the Ten Commandments, show me one of them that's hard. None of them. Because it's the same thing that we want people how we want people to treat us. You don't want somebody stealing from you. You don't want somebody to kill you. You don't want somebody to lie on you and to steal from you and do all that stuff. So why are you going to do it to anybody else? You don't do those kind of things. Your father, hello. (laughs) He loves you. You're his child. Not the devil. That's what the devil do. That's what the how the devil lives. He's the father of lies, Jesus says. See, he ain't going to tell you to love somebody. He's going to tell you to hate them. Because that's his goal. He hates anybody that is in love with Jesus. The devil's not going to tell you to love people. He's going to tell you to hate them. Get even. You know, that's what he's going to try to do. But Jesus said, John says, for this is is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Now, if you go back to the gospel of John chapter 15 real quick. And I'm, I'm about got to wind up here. Amen. Dropping down uh, to verse 8, 15, 8. Now, we saw last week that John talks about abiding in the vine here. And in verse 8, he says, Here's my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. Stay in God's love. Amen. No matter how people treat you, Jesus says they smite you on the right, turn the left. They take your coat, give them your cloak. They bid you go a mile, go two. You know, in other words, don't treat people the same way they treat you wrong. If somebody treats you wrong, don't turn around and treat them wrong. That's not of God. You've got to walk by love. Verse 9. For the Father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue my love. If you can keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. See, notice, if we keep the commandments, we're going to be in his love, and we're going to be in the Father's love. And the Father's love never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. Amen. We're going to a better place. Amen. So there, he's, he's trying to wind this thing up so that we understand that we have strong faith. Amen. Where it came from. And that we have eternal life. And that should make you stay excited and happy and full of joy. Because, man, when you get to the other side... You'll be ready to shout and dance and jump about all over the place. Amen. God bless you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word again this morning. Thank you for your blessings upon us, God. We ask you to lead us and guide us and direct us according to your perfect will. How great thou art, Lord. We sing your song of praise continually in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a short break. Amen. And then we'll come back at 1030. Amen. For our evangelistic portion. God bless.